This is React Podcast. I'm Jantastic. Communication is the most important thing that we do. Communication with our customers, communication with our team, the rest of our company, and those guiding the decisions from the top. But unfortunately, we don't take a lot of time to listen. And our work, solutions, and team morale suffer for it. And that suffering continues to spill over into our communities. Today, I'm joined by Brad Frost, who's made a career of helping organizations communicate better toward a common goal. Now, he uses design systems to do that. You may know him by his popular methodology, Atomic Design. But at its core, it's all about communication, listening, and serving customers. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. I hope that it's just as impactful to you and your teams as it's been for me. We'll start in just a second, but first, a word from our sponsor. This episode of React Podcast is brought to you by React Training. They provide in-person, hands-on training for development teams from React community leaders and experts. For more information, visit reacttraining.com. Awesome. Brad Frost, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I am so excited to have you. For those who aren't familiar with um, you or your work, could you give us um, an introduction to you and the things that you do? Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for for having me on this podcast. It's a more developer centric uh, podcast than than maybe what I'm I'm used to. So I'm Brad Frost, and I, I call myself a, a front end designer. Uh, so I write UI code, so uh, HTML, CSS, and, and JavaScript. Um, but this stage in the game, I feel like front end developer is too broad a term, just because it includes. Just so, so, so much stuff. So, so I sort of um, deliberately don't call myself a, a developer. I come from the agency world. I used to work in an agency called uh, RGA in New York City. And um, uh, I was sort of lumped in as, as a, a web developer with, you know, I sat with a bunch of native people and backend developers and started getting requests like, Hey Brad, like, you know, we need you to, to write this middleware for us or sort of, you know, construct this API or like normalize this database. I'm like, ah, like uh. I've never, never had a, a computer science class in my life. And, uh, this is awkward, but yeah, so I, I sort of come from the, we'll say like the, you know, sort of Zeldman, like web standards sort of school, you know, sort of yeah. very, um, yeah, sort of solid JavaScript, you know, using JavaScript primarily to manipulate the DOM and, and sort of stuff like that. Not, not too much, uh, beyond that, but anyway, so yeah, so I, I work on my own now. So I run my own, uh, web design shop, uh, slash consultancy. So a lot of what I deal with now is we will, uh, uh, of course, like the last six years has been sort of pr- focused almost exclusively on sort of building sort of 
pattern libraries and design systems oh, nice. now and sort of like helping various uh, capacities with that. So sometimes we'll actually do the work, like sort of creating the, you know, the, the sort of front end uh, UI, you know, sort of reusable components mm-hmm. in the pilot projects that uh, those components help build. Uh, and then other times we'll sort of help coach teams that are, you know, sort of off to the races and other teams that need help sort of selling it through and stuff. So it's like sort of a, we'll say a spectrum sort of going in there to sort of help educate and sort of guide a little bit, but then, uh, do still do my fair share of production level, um, sort of front end work for, uh, for clients as well. But a lot of it's in the, in the spirit of sort of uh, teaching people how to fish, right? So it's like, we'll, we'll sure. often sort of give them like, here's this kit, here's all this stuff. But the intention is always to sort of like hand it off to them and to sort of have them sort of take it and run with it. One thing I'm immediately curious about is you, you probably have big clients and small clients. Have you noticed that there are similar problems across the board or do big companies have big company problems and small companies have small company problems? Yeah, scale definitely impacts things for sure. Whenever mm-hmm. you have, you know, 50 teams distributed across the globe, it's a little different than a startup who's, you know, they're all sort of sitting in the same office building. But largely, you know, the problems are are the same. And I, I, I love that about my job is I get to duck my head into a bunch of different uh, teams in a bunch of different industries and they'll say, oh, Brad, you just don't understand, you know, the uh, sort of the financial industry is is very weird and complicated and here's why. And then I sort of duck into, you know, oh, you just don't understand the, the insurance uh, sort of, you know, industry is very weird and complicated and here's why. And, oh, you just don't understand this e-commerce and, or the startup. Yeah, like, everyone and feels they're like all, a they're special snowflake. They're all saying snowflake. the exact same thing. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and that's great. And I, lo- I love that perspective just because it helps, you know, give me a lot of sort of ammunition for it's like, oh, it seems like, you know, these folks across these different industries are all sort of struggling with the same stuff. So maybe I want to sort of like dive into that a little bit more. So I love that. Yeah. So I know you love working with teams. What are some of the uh, team characteristics that seem consistent or like team problems that people have in doing this type of design and development work? Uh, yeah, across the range. Yeah, there's uh, plenty. Uh, you know, d- <laughs> d- designer and developer collaboration is obviously a huge one, and that's something that uh, uh, I do uh, a fair amount of work with. And I- I'm fortunate to to collaborate uh, very often with uh, Dan Mall, who's my sort of like design counterpart, and Josh Clark, who's my sort of I'll say product design uh, counterpart. So we tend to sort awesome. of work as a as a little bit of a collective, um, sort of you know doing a lot of sort of coaching work and sort of with me like. Sort of representing the the tech side of things or the dev side of things, and then sort of Dan and Josh sort of like handling that other side of things. But I'd say that that's that tends to be a really big one uh, mm. is is sort of designer developer collaboration. But then also. Um, uh, I'd say different dev teams, uh, different, you know, especially like as, again, organizations get bigger, you have different product teams operating in different technology stacks. And so it's like, how do you create uh, sort of a consistent uh, sort of front end experience or UI experience uh, when you know the blog is powered by WordPress and the you know yeah. logged in state is powered by React and that you know the the sort of logged out state is in Drupal or whatever and it's it's that's one of the things that I I come into quite a bit because again your your users don't 
care about that. They don't care right. that, oh, you're using Vue or you're using React or you're using <laughs> Angular. Your users don't care that this dev team is in India and this dev team is mm -hmm. in Romania and this one's in San Francisco. It doesn't matter. Uh, users see you as a, you as an organization, as a sort of singular entity and expect a consistent uh, experience. And so from a tech standpoint, it becomes very interesting uh, to basically create a design system, this sort of like front end sort of like UI sort of language uh, that's mm -hmm. able to travel to all of these different lang languages and templating engines and all of that stuff. Yes. So, I know that one of the, the big things in React right now is CSS and JS and everyone's super in love with their kind of pet project that they think is the best thing. But a lot of times uh, people who are, are in those situations where they have different dev teams, sometimes separated by continents and um, totally different stacks, it's hard to kind of jump onto that because um, they, they have two totally disparate stacks and sharing those abstractions becomes like almost impossible. Whereas if you did it with CSS, um, it could have just worked out of the box. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, you know, sort of one of the things that I tend to get frustrated with about conversations about <laughs> that is that a lot of times it's like, and, and, and it's understandable whenever you're looking at a, a developer who's working on a singular product or whatever, yeah. it's like, it's very easy to be like, we're going to do what's right for our project. And, and of course that makes a lot of sense, but like increasingly my time is sort of spent sort of hovering in the clouds, like the, the bird's eye view perspective. And yeah. whenever you see all of these product silos with a bunch of smart people in those <laughs> silos, basically doing what's best. And you end up with, you know, different flavors of the same thing. And then, and then, yeah. So it's, when it comes to the sort of things like CSS and JS, it's like, okay, well, like, how do you get that sort of visual language to travel to WordPress, Drupal, React, yes. and whatever? And it's like, the answer is, you sort of can't you get easily. <laughs> and meanwhile, you know, CSS file is like, you chuck it into a, C a CDN and like link it up in the head of your document and like job's done. And I, I know that yeah. that's like unpopular, but like I do get a little frustrated that, you know, a lot of devs like come at me and will say, I've like made passing jokes and then people, the world explodes and everyone sort of like jumps down <laughs> my throat. And it's like, it's like, okay, like chill out. And it's like, I'm, I'm sure that it might make sense in the, in the context of a product. But again, like increasingly, my time, at least my perspective is that of solving organizational problems. And that yeah. tends to sort of touch. I don't, I honestly don't know if I've worked with any, uh, uh, client in the last even five years, even ones that are like sort of simple blogs that just have one digital property. It's like, right. we're, we're talking, you know, you talk native, you could talk like, again, all these different frameworks, you could talk all these different sort of tech stacks. And like, at the end of the day, that's what we're dealing with is you have yes. a bunch of digital properties that all need UI. And yeah. how do you do that sanely? Yeah, I know I felt that personally with a lot of our um, kind of insurance or healthcare or financial software. You can feel when you have been spit out to some part of the system that's been like acquired and not lovingly brought into the fold. Yeah, no, that's a big deal. And, and again, like the, the, it's jarring from a, from a user perspective. And then, but then suddenly it's like, especially I love going to a date picker just because that's like one of the, yeah. it's the, it's the thing where it's like, oh, this is really hard. And as a developer, you just sort of 
Google date picker widget. And then you like download one that you're like, I guess this looks good. And then, you know, four different product teams picking four different date pickers and your users might end up sort of touching, you know, those different products at various points, like throughout their, their day or their, or their journey or whatever. And, Every time they're confronted with a new pattern that that's extra cognition that they have to unload that so that that slows them down and and doesn't get them on with their day and that of course in you know increases the time it takes to convert and so whatever metric you're uh, sort of you know listening to whether that's you know if you're an e-commerce site like how quickly can they get through checkout and stuff like that like that stuff matters and so having yes. that sort of consistent UI from the beginning of, of the experience to the end helps sort of reduce that cognition uh, and gets people out the door faster and, and you know, completes their, their sort of, uh, uh, yeah, wh- whatever you're trying to get them to complete a lot faster. That's awesome. So it sounds like a lot of what you do is organizational therapy around <laughs> design. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, it's, it's a big thing. And, and again, it's, you know, you're, yeah, you, you have to sort of, take it all in holistically. So we listen sure. to individual developers on individual uh, uh, teams, you know, junior mm-hmm. level developers, senior level developers, but then also, yeah, tech directors and sort of like, yeah. you know, VPs and stuff, but then also coming from the design side, it's like, okay, I'm, we'll, we'll at the beginning of our projects, we'll interview, you know, UX designers, product owners, project managers, visual designers, front end developers, back end developers to just sort of get a sense of it's like what what is sort of currently like what do you like about sort of how things are currently set up um you know but then what are sort of those frustrations and Mm -hmm. how can we construct a system that helps alleviate those frustrations and sort of gets you to a better place and and it's really wild to just you know hear all of those different perspectives and it, it is therapy it absolutely is because we're like, yeah. asking them to, to like, tell us what's wrong like what what do you <laughs> not like about your colleagues or what do you not like about your tech stack or what do you not like and it's like oh let me tell you you know you just get yeah. all these great stories but that's that's you know of course just good design work is is basically doing the the right amount of research before just going oh yeah yeah you need a pattern library and we're just going to like spin up you know react and start like constructing some some cards and here here you go and you have no idea if that's actually going to sort of like address the the organizational issues that right these these companies are after interesting so one thing that I find interesting about your approach is that you actually do interview people from the whole organizational chart. You you have people who are presidents and VPs down mm-hmm. to people who are just implementing code. How has that been? Do you feel like once people have an opportunity to express their opinion, they're more ready to embrace the direction of a company? Or what's that transition look like? Yeah, so, so basically at the beginning of our process, we will do all of this research, do all these interviews, which are essentially like user interviews because they're yeah. ultimately going to be the users of the design system uh, and, right. and sort of the stakeholders of the design system. So sort of like stakeholder slash user interviews. And then we'll sort of use our kickoff uh, sort of 
sort of workshop as an opportunity to sort of say like here's the themes that we heard in this in this research like here's like what the the deaf people are sort of struggling with or here's what the designers are struggling with and like here's what we're trying to accomplish sort of broadly and we'll there'll tend to be like between like sort of 12 and, and 20 sort of general themes that we hear pop up again and again uh, through our research and then we'll sort of use our kickoff workshop as an opportunity to, to quite literally like sort of vote on which of those sort of themes or outcomes are most important. And what's cool is that we have, so all those people in the room, uh, so again, designers, developers, product owners, you know, sort of senior level people all in the room and it's very democratic process. And what you end up with is this nice sort of heat map of like sort of, okay, we're making a design system and like looking at this sort of board, we just have like big tear sheets and have everybody vote with post-it notes. It's like out of all the things that this design system could do or could address, here are the things it really has to do well. Um, Yeah. And, and so again, it's like, this is like, I think a lot of devs get, dare I say a bit cocky or it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Component driven architecture, blah, blah, blah. I could do this all day, every day. And it's like, and that's the truth, but it's like, it, it's in, in designers, same way. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I yeah, got it. The components. Okay, sure. Like we're, we're making this. It's like, what, what's so hard about that? It, the hard part is of course, you know, sort of connecting the, the specific technologies and tools and um, processes to what the organization is actually like struggling with and what they need to accomplish. Yeah, interesting. So do you find at the end of those that you can actually help kind of heal the core or mission of the company in a way, or I guess like bring dev back into alignment with that? Yeah, I, I think so. I, those are g- good outcomes, and we've cer- <laughs> we've certainly had those. We we've had things where it's like you know it's just a total and complete cluster, and they have like no thing that anybody no sense of standards or, or sort of yeah. unity or whatever. And so people you know go out and reach for Bootstrap or Material Design or whatever because it's like ah oh, that's around. It's like a life raft, and they can like sort of do their work because it's it's something. It's better than nothing. Uh, so so in our successful projects, yeah we have this sense of like we bring in you know the designers are helping sort of bake the brand into the the design system mm-hmm. and then the developers it's it's easy easy enough to use where uh, like sort of our rallying cry often is, you know, especially with these sort of like bootstrap organizations is like our system has to be better than bootstrap. Right. So it had, we, right. we need to make it easy for these developers to come to the system, grab what they need and go mm-hmm. because otherwise they're going to continue to reach for bootstrap if it, if it right. takes a lot, if it takes a lot longer. So, so yeah, so the, in good outcomes, um, yeah, we have this sense of like, yeah, baking the the organizational sort of goals in with solid design work, in with sort of solid tech architecture, and sort of like bundling that all up as as a nice package. And then that package, right? That that sort of design system is software that helps build other products. So then, whenever those product teams start coming to the system, uh, they're able to sort of get all of that baked in goodness for free, which is great just by way of using the system. So, so that's the, that's the spirit of, of why so many organizations are sort of embarking on these journeys is it's like, if you do it right, you get all this great stuff, great performance, you know, best practices, accessibility, best practices, like localization, best practices, responsive design, best practices, brand, best practices, like you name it, just sort of like bake it all right into that system. And then just like teams can like 
drop some stuff in, build screens like faster than ever. And they're just like rock solid across the board. It's great. So I want to talk a little bit about the tools that you've developed to help these organizations and namely uh, the atomic design strategy Mm -hmm. and also um, pattern lab. Yeah. 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 So, so uh, atomic design is a methodology is sort of say strategy. Sure. Like say it's same deal. It's a a, methodology. It's a a mental model more than anything. And it's basically, Mm um, it's basically sort of just, recognizing that UIs are, uh, can be sort of exploded into atomic elements, right? Just how like the, the natural world has, you know, sort of, uh, uh, you know, sort of is all created from the same finite set of atomic elements, hydrogen, mm-hmm. carbon, oxygen, you get it. Um, and, and has it has a very like biological theme yeah, to it. Yeah, this is, yeah. So, so biochemistry. <laughs> okay, cool. And, but it's like, you know, sort of like you have these building blocks, they're not terribly useful on their own, but then they start combining and start like sort of, uh, sort mm-hmm. of combining further to, to create sort of increasingly sort of, uh, you know, sort of sophisticated and, and also sort of very tangible uh, sort of things. And that those sort of by way of that process, sort of uh, these these sort of atomic elements create all the complexity in our, our world and our universe. And so, as it happens, the world of of UIs is this is the same way, right? So it's like if you were to explode Facebook or Microsoft Word or Google Docs or Slack or mm-hmm. whatever, you're going to be left with this finite set of atomic elements, things like yes. form, you know, like labels and inputs and buttons and images and headings and things like that and right so those are like the the raw materials of our yeah. of our UIs but they're not terribly useful on their own right so it's like it's whenever those things start to sort of like come together into what i call like molecules or sort of like relatively simple components so it's like you know you have a label atom an input atom and a button atom that all sort of work together as a group and then this becomes this sort of like single field form uh, component, right? So you could mm-hmm. use that for things like site search or like sign up for our newsletter or something like that, right? So it's like, sure. here's this nice little encapsulated piece of, of UI. And then that sort of from there, you can sort of plug that into a, a bigger, more complex component that I call an organism. So it's like the search form is often found in the header, right? So the header organism can be comprised of a a logo atom and a primary navigation molecule and a search form molecule. And all of those things sort of collectively form its own sort of, you know, this discrete chunk of UI that sort of operates as a unit, right? And then sort of from there, of course, then you can sort of like plug those organisms into what I call template, which is uh, basically you're applying these components to a page layout and sort of looks like a, a page. Uh, and then sort of the, the, the fifth and sort of final stage of it and most complete, most concrete stage is the page stage, which is where you're actually sort of pouring in real uh, content and scenarios mm-hmm into your UI. So it's like if you have your like homepage template with like a big sort of hero unit and some cards and some other stuff at the page level, you're sort of like actually piping in like a real representative hero graphic and headline and link into that hero unit as well as, you know, sort of the, the same deal with like those cards and stuff. So, so yeah. So, so the page the, level would be where a, where a user 
would actually see something. This is where the user's experience happens. That that's exactly right. So it's okay. like, yeah, that's what they see whenever they go to you know yeah. your your dashboard or whatever you're creating. And and sort of the cool thing is is that that sort of like separation between sort of like template and page allows teams to uh, sort of play out a bunch of different scenarios. Right. Um, so it's like. You know, if okay, let's work with like a dashboard thing. A user logs in; they're taken to a dashboard. Let's say for like like a bank or something. It's like, well, what do you typically see? You see like recent transactions. You see maybe some like charts and graphs of like your activity Mm -hmm. or something like that. Available balance and all that. Obviously. That data, those those props, if you will, are going Mm -hmm. to change based on like if you're a customer of 15 years versus someone who's just signing in for the very first time. And so as a design team, as a development team, you have to sort of like accommodate all those different scenarios, right? So, So this is where like sort of that designing with dynamic data, you're sort of like baking in like real product scenarios into this methodology. And those scenarios are going to help uh, uh, influence the architecture of the underlying system. And this is sort of like, this is the difference between sort of like the traditional model of, of like web design where it's like, okay, we're going to sort of create a, you know, a dashboard, you know, the sketch template or whatever. And then we're going to throw that over to the developers and they're going to sort of like mark it up and like code it in and then sort of like wired up to our, to our system. And it's only like once you've done all this work that you, yeah. you then sort of like come into, oh, wow, like everybody's name in the comp is like Sarah Smith and Sarah doesn't <laughs> right. have an H. And so it fits quite nicely onto one line, but then like we actually pour real data inside of it. And then it's like the whole thing just explodes. So, Falls apart. so it's like, so atomic design is not just like, Oh yeah. Like we're just creating like a bunch of atoms and, and a bunch of sort of like lower level components. What we're doing is we're sort of creating a, a, a thread that allows mm-hmm. us to sort of traverse between like, you know, the most atomic level button sort of design and and build, but then also sort of see how that button travels through that hierarchy to build a specific screen of a specific product. So, so, so it sort of like creates this virtual cycle of virtuous cycle between product, product design and development and system design and development. So when you're working with teams, do you kind of start with what they already have and take a catalog of what's there and then kind of kind of start to pull your atoms from that? Or do you build up a new system from scratch from atoms and then try to apply it to the pages? Yeah, so so it's it's really important to to sort of stress that it's like it's not a linear process. It's like we're not like starting at at the atom level and then eventually getting to sure. pages. Um sort of the, sort of the opposite is true yeah. if anything, but it's it's really about sort of designing the whole and the parts of the whole at the exact same time. And, sure. and this, this is, I think, where, again, I, I think I've seen uh, in, in my consultancy work, like a lot of teams sort of get tripped up. They'll either sort of produce full screens and then sort of after the fact, and I'll, I'll sort of switch into React mode a little bit. It's like, oh, we'll like build our application screens and then sort of like after the fact sort of go into like Storybook and like sort of, you know, sort of massage <laughs> these components like into place like after the fact. Or we're just going to like start like, yeah, we'll create our, our sort of components in Storybook or whatever. And then like sort of after the fact, then we're going to like sort of start like building things out of them. Right. And I think that, you know, sort of what, a, a solid workflow looks like in the in the the tool that I help uh, create called called Pattern Lab 
is a tool that allows you to, under one roof, under one sort of like dev environment roof, to sort of paint those like full UI screens as well as sort of like all of the, and visualize like all of the underlying components and be able to sort of traverse between them quite easily. And this is, this is, I think like, again, like a, a thing that is becoming, as I've seen the, the not so successful projects, uh, sort of over the last two years, for sure, I've seen a lot of teams like, yeah, starting like, oh, we built this like whole suite of, of React components or whatever. And then it's like, yeah. and then they just sort of like die out or it's like, oh, well, we're, we're plugging them in and we're finding like they're not doing what we need them to do and, right. and whatever. And so like people are abandoning the system and just sort of going back to the way they were doing things. And so it's like, it's so incredibly important to sort of put that product design and development work uh right there into the, 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 the system work and the product mm-hmm. work are essentially like one in the same. You're like building yeah. the system and building the product at the same time. Yeah. I love this idea that like they kind of feed each other and you can't really develop one without information from the other side. That's right. That's right. Yeah. One of my favorite things about the way that you work is that you work out in the open and you've been very open about like your process and the things that you are learning as you go along. Mm-hmm. You do projects out in the open and you have some really great talks, which I'll, I'll, I'll link to. Um, but one thing recently as it pertains to this podcast and, and the React world is you have been writing a lot about uh, your journey into learning React um, and coming to that from the design side. Can you tell me a little bit about your uh, your journey so far? Yeah, would would love to. And I think as sort of all born from it's really hard to understand like when to sort of bite down on a certain technology or, or you know, framework <laughs> or whatever. It's like, or it's like, I guess I'm going to do this now. You know, it's like, so it's yeah. like SAS and less and like all that stuff existed for a while. And then eventually it's like, eh, I guess this has like enough, you know, sort of movement where, you know, I better get my head out of the sand and, and do it. And now that I do, you know, so much consultancy work, um, you know, where it's like, I'm not the one in the driver's seat sort of choosing what tech to, to, you know, sort of power projects. It's just like increasingly everybody is sort of biting down on react, uh, including it's just like, like publishers who are like the, 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 we'll say the, stereotypical example of like a web of documents and stuff, you know, it's like, it's like, why are, why exactly are you choosing that? And, and and that is something that I ask my clients is it's like, so like, tell me about like why you chose react. And I think that this is is something worth like sort of picking at. And it's not to say that react isn't without its merits, but like, I think what fascinates me is that the answers that I get are like, it's it's not due to any sort of like thorough technical discovery sort yeah. of phase or anything like that or, or specifically like what we're what we're after. It's like there is a lot of just sort of like zeitgeist is is maybe yeah. the best way to say it like around Some stuff. FOMO. It's like just like yeah, there's you're just sort of like holding your finger up to the wind or like Twitter feed or whatever. And it's like oh man, people seem to really be talking about this. I think we need to maybe like sort of take a look at it. And I get it. That's it's human nature. It's you know, it's it's a very important sort of powerful thing. Uh, and I'm not again. I'm not saying that like React is is bad or insufficient or whatever. It's just I think it's fascinating that like so many teams that I talk to that have bit down hard on React are doing so just be 
cause of the the zeitgeist and it's like well i guess this is like what people people do now and and again i just like want to be like super clear that it's like it's not saying like anything disparaging about the technology itself and stuff which again it has it has plenty going for it but it's just like i think it's it's fascinating and more from like a a psychological or or sort of like cultural standpoint than than from a uh a tech standpoint so as someone who kind of sits above the organization and kind of evaluates technology and design decisions from the perspective of how are we serving the users, I imagine that it can be kind of hard to see people making this decision without having a really good answer to why. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a couple stories. Um, and, and this sort of helps like paint the picture. Actually, the yeah. one publisher was like the, the most, they, they successfully implemented React. They, you know, did it all right, did server side and like, you know, a whole bunch of really great stuff. They had a really smart team. They were all going. The other teams that were really enamored with it um, the, the one company was a healthcare company, which is like a whole slew of just really beastie legacy Java power, just sort of grossness. And it's like, that's, you know, like 98% of their code base. And they had this like sort of 2% where it's like, okay, like this like thing off to the side and like people were really itching to play with React and, um, you know, we're, we're in there and we're like, okay, you know, we're creating a design system for, you know, your, your sort of meat and potatoes products, right? Like this is, this is important. And so we need to like get this right. And, you know, uh, we are in there and we're sort of, you know, consulting with them and helping them make a lot of these decisions. And, and they're like, so, you know, we're going to build the, the, the system for react and, and we're like, okay, you know, like that that makes sense to have that like as like a, a flavor of the design system. And I, I wrote a post about sort of maintaining, uh, 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 sort of technology agnostic design system. So it's like mm. at the end of the day, it's like HTML, CSS, and, and JS is what sort of the user consumes in their browser. So it's sure. like that's the sort of canonical thing. But then you could sort of have your React flavor and Angular flavor and Java flavor and like whatever else that that you need. And that's fine. Um, but this team's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like we are going to build this like exclusively in React. And we're like, cool. 98% of your code base is not like compatible with that without like doing a, a Herculean effort to right. totally restructure that. And they're like, yep. Yeah. Hear what you're saying. That all makes sense. <laughs> but like we're doing react and it's like, and that's, and that's where it's like, wow. Like the, like the zeitgeist of, you know, like that sort of, and I get it. Like you don't want to like, it's like the scene, like a big Gordian's knot. It's like, I don't want to touch that. I'd rather just sort of right. go over here and like play with like modern tech. I get that. Um, and then another organization, same deal. It's like, they, they're like, we're doing the design system. We're building it all in react. A bunch of their other uh, software applications were not built in that. Some of them were though. And so we're like, okay, like that makes more sense than the, the 98%. They had like a couple, uh, flagship products that were, were using it already. So it's like, okay, that makes sense. And they just started like hiring and like all of this stuff and then just like found them themselves. As it turns out, they were just like immature when it came to their sort of react chops and like had like a bunch of people all of a sudden needed to be onboarded and it just sort of like slowed them down. And and eventually they, they ended up sort of going in a different direction. But I just think it's fascinating that, it's like that that zeitgeist or that like wanting to sort of like be on board with something that's that's mm-hmm. current and modern and all of that is is I think just like a very human thing. Like you don't want to be 
hanging out in like, you know, 2004 when everyone else is playing around in, yeah. in, in the future, you know? So, yeah. so it's fascinating. I, I, I think it's interesting, but like all of those experiences where it's like just team after team, uh, you know, sort of biting down hard on it. And I was like, okay, like, you know, the, the time has come where I like, I can no longer <laughs> just sort of like wave my hands. Like I really need to sort of roll my sleeves up and, and, and learn this thing. And so I, I did just a, a whole bunch of things, you know, like taking courses and, um, you know, playing around with it. I even like, um, hired uh, a friend to sort of like build out a, a side project app that, uh, that I, I was working on for a few years, um, in react so that I could sort of like learn like how it all ticks and stuff and like, you know, like read books and, and, you know, do, did tutorials and all of that stuff. And just like, I just like kept, kept like stumbling over stuff and it just like, didn't feel, it didn't resonate with me. Um, and sure. to a degree, it still still doesn't resonate with me. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel natural to the other twelve years of of front end experience <laughs> that I that I had. It sort of felt like I was I was just like swimming in new waters, and and um, yeah, it got got frustrated by that fact. And again, like I'd read articles, and like when it comes to sort of like talking about atomic design and stuff, and like this whole notion of sort of like, oh yeah, everything's a component, and they're all nested inside of each other. Conceptually, yeah. makes perfect sense, and I get all sure. of that. There's a clear separation between sort of structure and data, or at least in theory. Um, and and like so, it's like all that stuff that I've been talking about for years, like just sort of like totally jived with me. It should have been like a sort of total hand in glove sort of thing, but but that just like for whatever reason just would just wasn't the case. I imagine that there was a time where people were matching Atomic Design to React and writing about that, like before you had started making that connection yourself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, people thankfully are sort of like generous and or at least will like tag me and stuff. So it's like I've done my fair share of, yeah, like reading about like, you know, the atomic design and react. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like that's that's, you know, again, totally makes sense conceptually. But like whenever it came time to like start just authoring a bunch of stuff in it, I was like, like just just really struggling. So what is the biggest difference then? I'm I'm thinking. So if you have HTML, CSS, and uh, JavaScript, typically you would use some type of like templating language mm-hmm. for the actual component part of it in HTML, right? Mm-hmm. And that'd be like mustache or handlebars or something. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, I spent you know the last six years writing in and mustache essentially, um, you know, or, or mustache-like syntax, and of course mm-hmm. things like Liquid and sort of other templating engines, yeah. like Twig, and like there's a bunch out there. And and again, it just sort of felt that felt natural. It's like all right, here's regular old HTML. And then like, here's like the bits and pieces that are dynamic and all those sort of like carve out spaces for that stuff. And then like, you know, somewhere I will sort of populate that, you know, dynamic value with a thing and, or switch that from true to false or change that from this to that. And so, and it's like, makes perfect sense. And like, there's still sort of like this, like sort of clear, like separation and concerns. And I think maybe, you know, one of my things with, with authoring sort of the JSX stuff was like, just like... (laughs) I mean, and it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like I I saw some like recent news where it's like, you could actually just like write like class equals now. Right. So it's like, that's a big deal and stuff. And it's like, that's like a minor thing, but I just felt Mm -hmm. like there's just so much stuff. It's like, you know, uh, 
like arrow arrow functions and like just sort of the construction of like the patterns and it's all just like this is like javascript sort of blob that's like it's like oh and you could do it this way or you could do it this way and oh like you should be like doing it this way and and there's like double curly brackets and single curly brackets <laughs> and some with like a, a dollar sign in front of it i'm like ah, i'm just like can i get like my little mustache things back where i just sort of like to do the like doubles like all the time or whatever and and like as, as I sort of started learning, it's like, yeah, like a lot of that sort of ES6 stuff is like sort of baked in or at least travels with React quite often. So it's like a lot yeah. of the, the sort of like literature and, and, and examples that I'm seeing, it's like, it's tough for me to unpack. It's like, I'm struggling with this because I don't know ES6 as much or I'm struggling with this is because this is like a, a React uh, sort of uh, convention or something like that right. that I'm just not getting my head around. But in any case, it's like kind of coming, coming at it from both angles, which is like I'm not strong enough in ES6 and I'm not strong enough in React conventions. Uh, so that right, stuff yeah. like definitely, definitely ended up uh, sort of biting me. And then it just, again, just sort of like finding... I'd say that one of the big things that really like got into in the way too is like a lot of the the examples and demos and a lot of stuff that I saw were were sort of you know they'd be sort of focused around a specific application or whatever which again makes sense you're a smart developer working on a single product it's like oh yeah, yeah. like I'm just going to sort of like make this thing called you know, product card or whatever, <laughs> right. because I'm working on, you know, this, this thing that has products or whatever, but it's like, you know, increasingly again, it's like, I'm sort of like the bird's eye view where it's like, okay, yeah, you have this thing that has products, but then you have these other things that have events and you have these other things and they actually should be sort of making use of those same sort of components. Yeah. So it became like really tough for me to like sort of listen to courses or like go through courses or like look to tutorials and they're like, and here's where you add your like business logic or, or your logic where you like calculate the final price. And that's like inside of like the card component or something. I'm like, that, just, that doesn't like, seem that right. That doesn't seem right. Yeah. So thankfully yeah. there's, there's a good post, uh, this is Dan Abranov. Is that is, am I pronouncing his, his last name correctly? Yeah, I think we all pronounce it wrong. Yeah, so, sorry, but that Dan. Sounds... <laughs> uh, but he's he's just been super helpful, just in in general, yeah. just like sort of like reaching out to me directly. But also like he's he's had you know good articles that like finally like made me breathe a little easier. This basically talking about sort of like presentational versus container components sure. or smart components versus dumb components. And I'm like, yeah, give me those dumb components. Yeah. Like that's that's what I <laughs> that's do. Where I all live. day and every day. Yeah. Let's like get, get the price calculation and this like other sort of conditional logic or business logic, like away from my stupid component, right. From, yeah. uh, from my dumb button. And I actually ended up making a project called dumb react. It's <laughs> <laughs> sort of specifically to do this. I'm like, cause uh, every single tutorial I found was like, is just like, yeah. And we're going to like do this and wire it up to Firebase. And like, and I'm like, uh, yeah. I just like, show me how to build uh, a dumb homepage that has no logic, that has no whatever. It's right. just a handful of components that all sort of exist together displaying a page. And and yeah. so that's sort of like, that's what I ended up doing is just sort of like going down that road in order to sort of like hopefully like get the mechanics down, like using React's conventions and stuff, but then also be like, okay, like I'm still in familiar territory where I'm not... I'm not doing a bunch of crazy functions and calculations and stuff like that. And I get that a good many engineer like 
they get turned on by that stuff. And like, right. they, that's the stuff that they enjoy doing in the UI part, the rendering of the, the, the HTML on the page and the CSS and the style and stuff mm-hmm. is like sort of almost an afterthought. And so right. like, that's, I feel like that's sort of like another big sort of like tension is it's like, there's a lot of value in constructing HTML and CSS and to do yeah. that stuff well is very, very difficult to do. And I do think yeah. that like as the role of front-end developer starts to morph into your JavaScript developer, I, th- I fear that that that's sort of like um, uh, that that emphasis or that that willingness to accept that, yeah, like HTML and CSS are actually, you know, legit languages to sort of like focus on and, and sort of, you know, uh, uh, sort of specialize in yeah. uh, that it's not just this sort of like dumb, you know, it's like, yeah, it's not just some like dumb, like after the fact sort of thing. Right. It's like it's something that that like lives on its own and stands on its own two feet. And I do. I got my very fair share of that stuff whenever I started talking about how I was struggling to learn React. And I think that there was a lot of engineer kind of people that are basically like, sounds like you aren't a good developer. <laughs> and it's just like, just yeah. why do we do that to each other? Uh, I don't know, man. Like it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's rough, but like, I, I will say in sort of, you know, like, I guess I just like don't care enough about like my reputation or whatever, but it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it was good. I think for me to sort of like talk about this because, uh, yeah. what was bad and what I continue to see and same thing goes with like CSS and JS is just devolves into like some pretty nasty stuff yeah, pretty immediately. And whenever I started writing about it, uh, I had a lot of people reach out to me and they're like, thank you for saying that because yeah. like I've, I feel the same way and I've like expressed it before and just got like dog piled on by a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's like, it's a dangerous sort of world. And especially like in my <laughs> case, it's like, I don't know, Facebook employees, like, you know, like core people be like sort of like, I feel like a- attaching a lot more meaning to my words, like sort of projecting a lot of stuff sure. onto yep. me than, than like the words I was actually saying. But in, in any case, it's just like, wow, this is like, this is fierce. Like, this is like, you know, here's yeah. this thing that it's like, everyone's like, you know, super on board with or whatever. And to sort of just even say like, man, this seems sort of hard, uh, apparently yeah. is, was sort of beyond the pale. So <laughs> Well, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have a conversation with you because when you wrote that post and it seemed like there was like these, these lines drawn, right. Where people were like, Oh, well you just need to, you just need to spend time learning this stuff. Yeah. Um, and then the, that other side of like, Oh man, I'm, I'm so glad that you said this because you have, you have a voice, people respect you. Atomic design is a fairly ubiquitous term. And, um, if you're saying this, this kind of validates my feeling of like being a designer and having no idea what the hell's going yeah. on. Well, the, 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 the problem though, is it, is it does go both ways is you have, you know, on, on one side and I, I ended up sort of talking about this, uh, in a, in a post, I think I called it, I don't know, <laughs> which is, it's like, it's like, I don't, I, it's like, I don't even know anymore, but it's like, like if, if you sort of like speak up and you're like, man, like, I think that this is hard. It's like, one side is the the just crowd, which is, you know, just do this, like, you know, yes. just spend more time learning it and like quit being an idiot. And then other people are like, are like, oh yeah, like, yeah, React's so dumb. Like I never would use that, you know, like, <laughs> like, like people shouldn't ever do that. Like I, I proudly don't know how to, and it's like, ugh, there has to be some middle ground, right? Where it's like, yeah. there's a lot of merit 
to, you know, why people reach for certain tools and why they use certain tools. Um, but that doesn't mean that like, you know, you, you shouldn't ever sort of talk about maybe what's difficult about them. And then on the, on the other hand, it's like, of course you can't, you know, just sort of like put your head in the sand and like proudly be like, Oh, I've, you know, I don't use any templating language. I just use index.html and like write it, <laughs> write it the way I've always written. And it's like, that, that's not helpful either. So, right. so it's like, we just need nuance. We need to be able to sort of like talk about things openly, but like I, I will stress is like, I'm a white dude and like <laughs> with, with the reputation, you know, like for what it's worth for, with like a reputation, like, you know, I've sort of built up, you know, o- yep. over the years, it's like, if I'm thinking this stuff is hard and I'm getting dog piled on or whatever, yeah. like if you're not in this position and, and I will say, you know, having multiple women and people of color reaching out to me and they're like, I, I'm seeing what's happening to you online, <laughs> online getting skewered. And it's like, I, I, I feel the same way as you, but like, I'm definitely, definitely not speaking up now. Yeah. And it's like, that's not good. And that's, that's, I, I hope something that, that people can take seriously where it's like, yeah. listen, like we, at the end of the day, get out of like your own world. And, and I think it's, it's coming from a place of, we want to feel like we're working on valuable stuff. Yeah. Uh, we don't want someone sort of coming in and sort of saying like, Hey, look, the stuff that you're working on now, it's no good. Or, or, <laughs> or, or that's how it's interpreted at least is how I feel. It's like, no one, no one wants to, to feel that way. Right. We, we want to feel like, Oh yeah, we're working with good stuff. You know, we're doing, you're doing great stuff. And certainly if you're, if you're, uh, involved in the creation of that stuff, you don't want to hear a bunch of negative stuff coming, coming out about it. But like at the end of the day, like we have to recognize like, this is all, you know, we're, we're all just making this up. It's all an evolution. It's all a continuum. You know, nothing's, nothing's truly new. Everything's a remix, you know, whatever that, that old chestnut is. But then also like things are bound to change, right? There's like 7 million GitHub repos right now that are going to sort of contain the nuggets of the next great framework that we all move to in a few years time. So it's like, it's really hard to, to sort of like stomach people being so precious about uh, an industry that is just so incredibly fast moving and ephemeral. <laughs> so, so I don't know. So it's like, like that, that's, I guess like maybe like my, my key message is it's just like, chill out, just chill out, listen, be willing to have open conversations to be able to sort of like discuss the pros and cons of things to like, listen to people who are frustrated and, and take those things to heart and, and say like, Oh yeah, like that's actually like, maybe, maybe there's something to that. And maybe it's not just that you're, you're a freaking idiot, but maybe it's like, Oh, you're coming from it from this perspective rather yeah. than this perspective. And maybe this isn't as intuitive as we thought. And, mm-hmm. and that's why again, back to, back to Dan, uh, Abranov, like I, I, I very, very much ap- appreciate his willingness to, to sort of do that stuff. And I think that that's, uh, I would like to see more of that, I guess. Yeah, it does seem like React is really kind of forcing us to have conversations that we've kind of, as you mentioned before, we've put up walls around certain boundaries of like design and development. We kind of bat this ball back and forth and we've kind of found a little bit of a happy place like on our side of the wall. And it feels like React is jamming us all together because like now the HTML and the CSS and the JavaScript is all in yeah. one place. And we're just kind of getting 
cranky and angry at each other when we can't work the way that we have always worked. Well, that, 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 that is right. It's like, it's like, yeah, JavaScript has sort of like sucked up the other things that again, I, I feel in my, in my view, I, I feel that those other things are able to stand on their own two feet. And actually like, there's a lot of, of nuance and a lot of like, sort of like thoughtful stuff that that goes on there. And now it's, there is a, a feeling a bit of like, yeah, this all got sucked into the JS world, and now the JavaScript community knows best. And anybody that says otherwise is is an idiot because you're not an engineer. And this this is, I think, the other thing that that like strikes me. It's like I don't come from a computer science background. A lot of people in the front end field don't come from a computer science background, and I do feel like there is some semblance of we're CS people, like we're like true programmers, we're true engineers, <laughs> and that you other people, you know, uh, just don't know. And yeah, like, yeah. therefore, like you should just either shut up or like leave or whatever. And like that, that I think is, is, is very uh, real and very, and very dangerous. And again, like a lot of, a lot of the people that I've, I've talked to sort of like feel that, that threat, but, but like the, the good news in all of this sort of coming back to sort of like presentational and container yeah. components or like smart and dumb components is like the opportunity is a hundred percent there mm-hmm. for HTML, CSS sort of minded people to sort of like own that part of it and still sort of like work within this ecosystem. And then, you know, the more sort of like business logic-y sort of engineer types can sort of like put in that. And historically, whenever it wasn't all just everything is JavaScript, (laughs) those lines were a lot easier to to sort of solve. It was like, oh, the PHP developer does the stuff that that sort of like links up to the database. I'm going to be over here styling the buttons, like because I'm writing in a different language. But now that's all mushed together. It's a lot harder to sort of, you know, figure out where the boundaries are. But so all all that's to say is it's just so incredibly important for teams in the community at large to, to, to be inclusive and to sort of find ways to sort of not like sort of wall those those other perspectives out, but rather say like, oh, okay, like it sounds like the HTML structure and the CSS structure like all sort of like matter and like we need somebody to like own that stuff or we need people to operate in those waters in a way that's compatible with the, the React way of doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. And we would welcome those sort of perspectives. And I, I don't know. Yeah, there's it just chill out and, and be be open <laughs> I guess so uh, in a very specific way with teams maybe struggling in the same way as the, these lines what are what's one way that people can be more receptive or like language that people can use to communicate that they are listening and want to know the input and values from the other side it's a, it's a good very good question actually um, I feel like there's so much that could be solved by like, uh, especially if you're co-located, just like wheeling up beside one another. That's like one of the biggest things that that we do in our consultancy work is like we've quite literally like uh, reseeded entire departments. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's like, you know, the, the devs used to be in the code cave. 
<laughs> and the designers are like up, you know, like right off of like the front, uh, you know, sort of entrance way because they make a bunch of sort of splashy, very visual stuff. Yeah. That's good to sort <laughs> right. of like show, walk people through. And we're like, no, no, no. Like you're, you all work on the same team and it actually isn't very valuable for, you know, the devs to sort of like be in their own world and only sort of talking to other devs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what we need to do is, is actually sort of get you all sitting together. So we'll, we've done is yeah like quite literally sort of been like cool uh you know the 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 product owner the qa person the back end developer the front end developers the designers they're all sitting beside each other uh the devs aren't sitting beside each other they're sitting next to the the designers and all of that all of that plays into like recognizing that it's like it's not just all about like oh dev knows best and like everybody else better follow yeah. suit or design knows best and they you know everybody else is is you know out to lunch or whatever there there's a real sense of humility that comes from just being exposed to those other perspectives and one sure. one of my favorite things was um uh with one client one of the QA engineers uh, ended up becoming one of the best designers on the team. Oh, that's she, awesome. She, she would walk by, she would walk by the, the designer's desk and the front end people's desk. And she'd be like, what the, what the hell is that? And, <laughs> and they sort of start talking and she's like, here's why that isn't going to work. And it's like, you know, she just like had like just loads and loads of like real experience. She's the one that's sort of like really like sort of feeling the yeah, pain of lines. like, uh, yeah. And, and so to sort of like have her be an active participant in the design and development project or, or process, like ended up making the, the, the final work so much more strong. And, that's and so, awesome. so I feel like that's, that's it. It's like putting people closer together, uh, trying not to, there is something about intradisciplinary sort of like camaraderie and collaboration that is important, but I don't, I think that we tend to take it too far into sort of tribes, you know, it's like, it's like, Oh, the dev tribe and the design tribe are like, Oh, you know, we're over here doing the, the, the hard work and you are all over there (laughs) painting pretty pictures or whatever. And then the, you know, the opposite is true. It's like, you know, you're just going to take our pretty pictures and butcher them because you don't care. And so, so it's like, it's, it's just, yeah, if you can sit teams together, not by way of, of what their discipline is, but basically by, you know, are you responsible for the success of this website or this application or whatever? Cool. We're all going to sit together and we're going to work on this together. Uh, that's helpful. And then just also opening the doors to things like, well, design tokens is a, is a great, so we'll say like technical way in for sort of encouraging collaboration between design and development. Um, so it's like you have, you know, brand color palette, a neutral color palette, um, you know, sort of a utility color palette, things like error and success and sort of stuff like that. You have typographies, font sizes and all of that stuff. And it's like, that's all stuff that like designers can and should own. And like, the cool thing with design tokens is that basically you can sort of kick that stuff out, those those tokens yeah. as like JSON or or XML or CSS variables or SAS or like whatever, and then just sort of ingest that. And so that sort of helps like as a developer, like you're obviously the one sort of like taking that stuff and plugging it into the actual yeah. application. But you, what you're doing is you're basically sort of opening the door, opening an invitation to the design team to say like, hey, I would like you to sort of own this file. <laughs> like I would sure, like you to, yeah, yeah. to own 
our color palette, our typography sort of stuff. And like, and what that does is that of course, you know, from an engineering perspective, frees up the team to, uh, you know, be fixing bugs and getting things working across devices and browsers and stuff like that and leading sort of like any, uh, hex changes or typography changes to the designers. And like, they can, Mm -hmm. they can own that stuff like all day, every day. And you're just sort of like giving them the, the, you're empowering them to, to do just that. Well, Brad, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you taking the time to communicate very candidly about your experience and how we can communicate better as teams. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very much, Michael. This has been React Podcast, episode 26. For links to the people, projects, and patterns mentioned in this show, visit reactpodcast.com slash 26. Patrons this week get access to the video of this call. So if you're the type of person who does nonverbal communication better and enjoys watching over listening, go to reactpodcast.com slash partner. A special thanks this week to Sid, who just joined. We'll be back next week with a very special episode that you will not want to miss. Michael Jackson is sitting down with the core React team to talk about the future of React. It's going to be a thriller for sure. Thanks for listening. We'll be in your ears again next week.